0: So welcome back, podcast listeners. We are uh my name's Pastor Tim Borman, and I'm with my brother Pastor Jonathan Borman, and we've been working through Amos together and we're getting into one of the one of the key sections here in in the book of Amos. We're gonna pick it up um with another word of woe here in Amos chapter 6 with Amos chapter 6 verse 1 we'll see if we make it all the way to verse 14 today so we'll see what we can do here today uh Jonathan um you know as, as we look at Amos chapter 6 especially that first section there i thought we could lead it off here today by picking up on the 3 Fs so the the three F's that you have in this section, because it basically Amos is going to say, hey Israel, you guys are getting an F. But he's going to do this in a, in a very literary way. He's going to come to them and say, hey, verse 1, he says, hey foremost, here's the first F, hey foremost nation, you're complacent, and because of that, you're dead inside. And again, in verse six, he's going to say, hey, foremost nation, you have the finest lotions, which is actually the oils. We'll talk about that a little bit later. There's your second F. That's right? the second F. Finest. <laughs> and, and, and so he says, because of those first two Fs, you're getting an F. So you're, it's going to be first, there's the third, third F, first to go into exile. So that's where we're going today. (laughs) nation, we're going to school. We're going to school. Yeah. (laughs) We're going (laughs) to school. We're getting grades. And um, by the way, the report card's already out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You get an F. (laughs) You F. You get to be first into exile. We got some gospel, though, I think, today, don't we? Too. Not just that you're going to get an app on your paper, but um, everybody just decided not to listen. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we got some gospel news, I think, too. So um, God gives His firstborn um, to to take away all sin. So that that's that's gospel news for us here today. But so let's talk about this foremost nation that Amos is addressing then. What's the big problem here that we see? Well, he's got the woe. So we have another word of woe. And just so everybody's remembering that a word of woe is the exact opposite of um, of a beatitude or a blessing from God. So God is bringing down uh, a judgment that he's decided in his court to bring down. And so, and he says right away, here's why the gavel's coming down, and you're getting, you're going to receive a a sentence here. You're going to receive a guilty, a status of guilty, and here's your sentence. He says, and here's why Woe to you who are complacent in Zion, and to you who feel secure on Mount Samaria. So we got we got two geographical features there. Zion is in Jerusalem, so that's in the in the southern kingdom. If you're tracking that, and then you got Mount Samaria, that's obviously in the northern kingdom, right? So we got yeah. this is a condemnation coming geographically over both kingdoms, uh, and then that's the right language too when you when you talk about kingdoms because you have two capitals. That's exactly it. This is DC talk here. This is you know. And Put and it into an American context. These are the these are the politicians. So, bef- before we saw earlier in Amos, like the the judges come under con- condemnation for bad for injustice. Here, are the political elites, the people in on Mount Zion and Mount Samaria, uh, the notable men, as Amos calls them, I mean, you notable men of the foremost nation to whom the people of Israel come now. Now you guys are under a woe. See, yeah, and and I mean we should unpack this, and and we'll we'll see this here as we get into these verses. But it doesn't sound like a bad thing to be well, especially secure. Like, what's wrong with being secure on Mount Samaria? Like, that's a good political objective. You know, we t- don't we talk about national security? Like, that's a positive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but. I point that out to if somebody's sitting there thinking, What's so wrong about feeling secure on Mount Samaria? That sounds like a really good national objective. Even a blessing from the Lord. Yeah, even <laughs> a blessing from the Lord. Now, complacency, I think we can understand that definitely has a negative connotation to it. Like um you kinda have like a B or C status, you should be shooting for A, but and you're just like, Well, it's good enough. Whatever. You're just complacent. Yep. Yeah. Um, But they, so they kind of go together, right? So we can understand like this kind of security that's happening there on Mount Samaria is not, has a false foundation. Like you're actually not secure at all. I, yeah, and I think Amos, they feel secure. So we could, we could go into that, the whole feeling secure. Feelings. Not that they actually are yeah. secure. Yeah, they're not so f- feeling something and a- act- it actually being true are two different things, and we could go off about that for a while. I think. Well, we should mention but... <laughs> it because Amos does, right? Timothy, like he says, yep. you—he's talking to you, notable men of the foremost nation, to whom the people of Israel come, and that's verse one. So mm-hmm. they feel okay. Everybody's coming in and and doing their political thing and and their religious thing, and while these political and religious hotshots sit on top of it all. And, and they see people coming to them and it makes them feel secure, even though they're really not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Amos actually gives them an instruction and he says, go to Kalna and look at it, go from there to great Hamath and then go to Gath and Philistia. Are they better off than your two kingdoms? Is their land larger than yours? And There's a little bit of a historical conundrum here. It's like, why is Amos telling him to go look at him? Maybe it's because those cities are destroyed, you know, and he's saying, look, you're next. Or maybe it's because, so these are neighboring cities and towns. Maybe it's because they're going to go down there and be like, whoa, um, their fortresses and weapons and stuff like that, you know, they don't look that good. And Mm. so any... Nation on the warpath is going to burn right through them and get to Sumerian's eye, and then see. Um,
1: either either, way, yeah, they're either ro- way, he's
0: rocking their foundations. Yeah, yeah, either way, he's like, go look at it, and you're going to come to a little. You might feel secure, but you're the the you're actually not secure. And then he starts. It's like okay, after he undermines their confidence, all of a start, sudden he really starts jabbing his. His metaphorical finger in their metaphorical chests, because you have in verse three, verse four, verse five, and verse six, you've got one, two, three, four, five U's, mm-hmm. and that's a big number there, in Amos. But U, 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 U. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, uh huh. So it's a description of what this complacency looks like. This is right. what it looks like to feel secure when you're actually not <laughs> and the right, and the first thing he does is say, he says, "Look, in verse three, you put off the day of disaster and bring near a reign of terror <laughs> <laughs> like I'd much rather, and I think what he's pointing which out one's is, better, yeah <laughs> <It's> yeah <laughs> the, day of, disaster, do, the day of disaster the day of terror. disaster at least has an end point, you know, like a reign of terror." And I know if you're just a listener here, you might be thinking about pitter-patter rain on the roof of your car or your house. But this is talking about the rain or the ruling of a kingdom. So it's this ongoing state of of terror. You know, talk about <laughs> <No> terrorism. <good. laughs> like your yeah. government is ISIS. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not good. Yep. And note that well, this is going to become important. Isaiah, or Amos, I'm sorry he's using these sort of what we would call bi So there's parallel lines of poetry there. So we got putting off the day of tear and bringing near a reign of terror, right? So, yep. so two lines of poetry. And then he does that again. Um, and then this is where we get these descriptions of what a complacent life looks like. And it's beautiful. <laughs> I kind it's of really it's there's really a part of good. Me that really wants to live this way <laughs> it's really good <laughs> yeah you lie on beds adorned with ivory there's line one and then line two is in lounge on your couches it's not too bad so so at night you know at night you got your ivory it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even what a waste in some ways cuz you're sleeping on the thing. You can't even see the i but, <laughs> <laughs> but and, and and just let's just contrast this cuz I think cuz I think we should uh so our listeners can understand like culturally how different this is like the typical uh Israelite would have slept on the ground or at best on some sort of like earthen shelf.
1: Which, it, which um, is
0: stunning because they not only have beds, but they also have couches. Yeah, so they're not, not only taken care of at night, but they're also taken care of during the day. It's amazing. So, I mean, this a is amazing very wealth. lavish living here. Amazing wealth. And maybe to even contrast it with like King Solomon. Like King Solomon's throne, they made a big deal out of this in the Bible, was in La- it, that That thing, his throne was inlaid with ivory. But here the beds, even the beds are inlaid, adorned with ivory. It's just incredible wealth. And I think this is probably the right time to point this out, Timothy, but what you have here is you have all kinds of really bodily uh, comforts. You could call them creature comforts. You know, creature comforts. Yeah, yeah, it's all it's all creature comforts, and we're gonna have to talk about this how is, that relates. This to is the, the recliner, the the recliner with heated seats that gives you massage. Ooh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> so so you got you got your body lounging in really comfortable good furniture and, and beautiful places. Yeah, it's a good furniture. What are they eating? You dine on choice lambs and fattened calves. So we, you know, we compare this to the normal Israelite Ooh, diet. Ooh, I love lamb. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that fattened <laughs> the calf. The fattened Ooh. calf. That's veal. That's veal, you know. That's pizza. right. That's right. Uh, so, and you were getting it in the normal Israelite well, diet. You know, they, they didn't normally eat meat. This is an immediate this is not a meat eating culture. This is not where you go get a double cheeseburger every day. Well, meat is expensive. Is, I mean, even even in the Western world today, like they'll talk about how Americans eat a lot of uh particularly red meat. Um, and it's expensive. It's expensive because <laughs> You got to raise the animals to that point, and a lot of times you need those animals. just fed, you know. Yeah. Uh, you but you normally you need those animals for work. And, and if you and put, you your, can't eat them. You got to you, you got to use them to work. You put on your biblical hat for a second. You know, when did people slaughter the the proverbial fattened calf? Yeah, only for dignitaries. Big deal. Yeah, this is what people are eating every day, though. It's what they do every day, and then you got, and then you got what what so looks got, to me like an ancient nightlife party. So yeah, so we got furniture, we got good food, and now we have entertainment. There it is. You strum away on your harps you got, like David. You got your crooner, then you got your musical crooner <laughs> and impro- improvise on musical instruments. Now that's an interesting insertion of King David, don't you think? He just shows up there, yeah. All of a sudden, David just shows up. But so, like, there's a religious tinge to this. That's what that does. This is not purely like red hot chili peppers going on, you know, or like (laughs) Coldplay. They're they're trying to pull a David. There's your musical taste. They're trying Mozart. They're they're trying to write psalms. You know, they're trying. They have no spiritual light. Um, they're partying, they're on these ivory couches eating fat and calves, and sort of with their beer guts sticking out, they're like strumming on harps trying to write psalms. I mean, imagine that. And Amos just thinks it's uh, ridiculous, right? Yeah. And then you got, and then you got, exactly, just to complete this picture here, you got verse 6, and this is this is the last you before we get this big therefore. Um you drink wine by the bowlful. That's you, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there this yeah. isn't like mm. sipping on wine uh yeah, from a yeah, wine is, glass. Yeah, this isn't like this you is, go to a little wine a little winery and you know, put your little finger in the air and delight in the nice aromas and things this is um get that bouquet get get that bouquet of the wine yeah but that's not what's going on here this is not the you know the delight and the enjoyment of a glass of wine this is a bowl full (laughs) (laughs) and wow probably the bowl was had a little bit of a sacred religious tinge to it too like like it's a common cup for Lutherans. Like there's this religious tinge of a of false worship going on here too. So you're you're drinking it, getting drunk by the bowlful for this this false god. And we, I mean, we need to get into this this idea of using creature comforts as a form of spirituality because that's what you have going on here. But here's the last one and use the finest lotions but you do not grieve over the ruin of joseph so the lotions uh as a man i have a little bit of a problem with you know okay so lo hey there's stuff for men these days <laughs> that's true and i've you seen know, a, I, cologne for men and stuff like that okay so oils is really the the hebrew word there and if you think about anointing with oil which is what's happening there it's uh that's religious too in nature so they're pouring oil on each other for what is the big the big question i doubt it's because of dry skin i mean i think that'd be awkward don't you think that'd be awkward <laughs> I'm not pouring any oil on anybody. <laughs> yeah, you know, like sorry. not publicly, not gonna, at least. He's not going to do it. Yeah, so, but they're doing. They're drinking wine by the bowlful. They're using the finest oils. They're anointing each other, probably in some sort of religious feast to an idol. So this is, you know, not only amazing, amazing complacency with wealth and with furniture and entertainment, and food, um, but this is this is all wrecked by the worship of a false god too. But it, it, Amos actually tells us with his tricoli, so this is the only thing that's got an odd number of phrases in it with the third phrase. He says, the the real issue here, but, so it's this adversative thing, but. Yeah, he's turning it around now. Yep. So here, this is the real issue. And like, you, get, if you got your Bible open, star this thing or circle it. But you do not grieve over the ruin of Jacob, Joseph. So this is their sin right here. this is this is it. So who is Joseph, Timothy? I mean, who's Joseph? We had David. now we have Joseph. Who in the world's Joseph? So Amos is pulling all the way back to that story in Genesis. so you have to you have to go to all the way to like Genesis. I think it's Genesis chapter. 37, actually. Um, Yeah, Genesis 37, verse 25. And and we know the story. Joseph's brothers hated him. They just thought he was this egotistical, prideful dude. And so he shows up to check on him. And the brothers are like, let's kill him. And so one of his brothers actually says, no, let's not kill him. Let's sell him. So they actually threw him in this pit. Remember the story?
1: And they Mm -hmm. threw him
0: in this pit and they just left him there. And this is what they're doing. It says, this is Genesis 35, 37, verse 25. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. So this is what's happening. Joseph's sitting in this pit. I imagine it's muddy and gross down there and not comfortable at all. And he's saying, brothers help me (laughs) get me out of here get me out of this pit and and the brothers are meanwhile cooking you know a lamb over a fire having this good old time and then they decide while they're having this good old time eating to sell their brother into slavery so in other words, what what you got here then, and I'm just trying to repeat this back to you, is you got people who have who are just partying away while their next door neighbor is hurting. Uh there's so much injustice. People are just and that's what you have going on later in the chapter two, but just to to, to comment on it now, they're not receiving the justice that that they deserve, that God wants them to have. And and ju- you know, just to be clear about this, what we have, this is the sin of indifference. It, it's yeah. not. It's not like these people are doing anything bad against the poor, or you know, what we we call, call it, it a sin of omission. It, they're omitting it. Yeah. yeah, they're not doing anything to fix the problem. And and a great this is a biblical theme actually Jesus picks up on it in his parable of the the rich man and Lazarus if indeed that is a parable and we have this na- unnamed rich dude who's having amazing parties every day and Lazarus is sitting outside the gate the dogs are looking his sores right mm-hmm. and uh, it's just this amazing indifference. Not yeah. once does Lazarus get invited in and have something to eat. So, I mean, some some of our listeners, Timothy, I mean, can we talk about this? Let's just do a little bit of application. Yeah, some we should. Our, yeah. Some of our listeners, and I, actually, we should probably say all of our listeners are in a position of wealth. If you look at it in terms of, now I don't have any handy-dandy little statistics at my fingertips about this, but we are all living in america today in the midst of unprecedented resource and wealth and and yet uh, there's people hungry around us there's people without jobs around us there's how do we how are we supposed to think about that and 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 then act on it it's it's amazing yeah it's amazing i've really struggled with this in new york city and Just because, like, every neighborhood has their own homeless person, and the the homeless uh, situation in New York City is just getting worse. And and everybody's sort of got their hand out, their people are panhandling on the subway all the time. It's amazing. So, we have, you know, we have this question like, we don't want to be indifferent, Uh, we don't want to be calloused to need. Maybe it might be helpful just to talk about what the Christian church, how the Christian church has responded to this type of thing uh, wrongly in the past. And then we could talk about sort of finding a, a middle ground, I think. One way that the the Christian church has responded to this sort of worldly access that, that you see here is just to sort of say, uh, we're gonna deny ourselves any kind of wealth at all, and like we call. <laughs> D- didn't Jesus tell? Didn't Jesus just? Didn't Jesus tell the young man go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor? Well, that's a great example of it. And yeah, I was reading about that this morning actually, and you know, our response to that would be is that the, yeah, Jesus really did tell that young man to live an ascetic lifestyle to do that that doesn't mean we're all called to do that though Uh, right same thing with Abram in last week's lesson God called him and said leave your family behind that was a pretty unique call like we're not called to leave our families behind (laughs) yeah right? right so we have to understand that each of us can display obedience with our within our own callings or uh, vocations. Here's what Basil the Great said about this call. You know, is does God call us to sort of live as poor people? He said. He said this: that we should run about searching for anything not demanded by real necessity but calculated to provide a wretched delight and ruinous vainglory is not only shameful and out of keeping with our avowed purpose, it also causes harm of no mean gravity when they spend their lives in sensual gratification and measure happiness in terms of pleasure for the appetite to see us also taken with the same preoccupations that keep them enthralled. So he's saying, you see all these people in the world running around trying to get expensive purses, and get the best wines and and have beautiful furniture and nice dwelling places and all this different stuff, and he says, "You don't want to be like that that we shouldn't make that our main preoccupation he's saying, and there's it's tinged a little bit, I think, with this idea that we need to deny ourselves of any kind of pleasure like how how do we you know is it wrong to have a nice glass of wine?" that's kind of what we're asking and And the answer would be no yeah no yeah (laughs) absolutely absolutely in in fact Jesus is quite well known um, for delivering the best glasses of wine (laughs) he wants us to enjoy things they're they're his gifts to us and yet (laughs) what I think the other side of this is to say is to use gifts to give us God and right? others that's, God that as if it, that, and that and that's what you have going on here. You have these people who are sort of swaddling themselves in wealth, and we kind of went point by point by point, and we said, "Look, their bodies, um, their stomachs, their ears, um, their skin." And we kind of went through that. And what they're trying to do by swaddling themselves in unprecedented wealth is to nourish their souls. And what Amos is To give is them you, joy. Yeah. And we could talk... And, and finally, that's what you have going on here. You have what we could call a false security to go all the way back to verse 1. You have a false security. Um, these people who are... These are people who are feeling good about life, about their kingdoms, and about themselves based upon uh, creature comforts uh, or based on creation instead of the creator. And so now the Lord, really what he's doing here is he's bringing, we've talked about this before, but he's bringing a lawsuit. He's bringing a covenant lawsuit on on these people who have left him behind they've left him behind for his gifts and this is what he says he says in verse 8 the sovereign lord has sworn by himself and so this here's that courtroom scene right and he swears by himself because who, el- who else who else you're going to swear to <laughs> he's not going to put his hand on the bible you know <laughs> <laughs> and so he swears by himself and he says i abhor the pride of Jacob and detest his fortresses. I will deliver up the city and everything in it. And and there it is. I mean we we have to we have to talk about this. That what God is really going after here is spiritual pride. That's you it. Know, this is this is um you know so you had this the moral is God, decay. the ultimate lumberjack. <laughs> With his axe, he's Paul Bunyan, you know he's yeah, this away. is Paul Bunyan and Babe the ox <laughs> he but is they're not taking eating down pancakes. pride, yeah, they're actually chopping, yeah, and it so it's really bad you have you have it's really, really bad, So the moral decay is that we described before the real reason that is because of pride, the yeah. Lord names names it. And then he says, so he says, basically moral decay plus pride equals destruction. And so, I mean, just to, just to unearth this idea here a little bit, like when you're, when you're feeling good about yourself, when like you're, you got the lotions, you got the wine going on, you got the ivory inlaid beds, like you're good, man. Look at what I've done for myself. Yeah. You're really like, we really worked hard and we did, we did pretty good. And, and what, what? What it's not that God doesn't. It's not like He's like oh, you know I'm really ticked off. They're really enjoying life and they and they really shouldn't. That's not it at all. <laughs> he's He's saying you're really proud of yourselves. So you're, you don't it, like to put. You don't, this, of God, you don't care about God. You don't care about God. In terms of like the two tables of law, He's saying you don't love your neighbor. That's what He said in the first seven verses, and now He's saying you don't love God. You love yourselves. That's right. That's right. Pride, in fact, we could say this. Pride is the complete, and I'm quoting here a, a, a wonderful commentary, but pride is the complete anti-God state of mind. We were yeah. meant, We were, God designed us to be in a creator-creation relationship. We've, we were meant to receive gifts from his hands. But when we stand up and we say, look at what we did, we're playing God. That's... <laughs> That's exactly right. So what what you end up with is Amos coming at him and saying, you guys are toast. You're done. And in some amazing language there, if 10 people are left in one house, they too will die. Uh, and if the relative who comes to carry the bodies out of the house to burn them asks anyone who might be hiding there, is anyone out with you? And he says, no, then he will go on to say, hush, we must not mention the name of the Lord. Okay. That you know we've talked about Amos being unprecedented, but that little vignette, that little picture, is stunning. Don't Shh. pray. Don't talk about yeah. God. <laughs> He's basically saying, "Don't pray." You wouldn't. Yeah. You wouldn't. It's like God is this, or the red, red eye wrath from, on you <laughs> from the what? Are the, what's that one movie? Uh, series, the the trilogy, you know, the red eye gets focused on you and you're just dead. You're just Lord ghost. of the Rings. The yeah, Lord of like the is Rings yeah, is coming like, for you. Uh... Don't say his name. Um, and, then, and then Amos actually mocks them. He's going to mock them a little bit. He says, you rejoice. He's going to mock their pride. You rejoice in the conquest of Lodabar. So <laughs> Lodabar is a city. <laughs> But it means nothing. So like what did you actually conquer? Nothing. <laughs> low to bar. <laughs> yeah, he's, congratulations. He's, he's mocking him. <laughs> you conquered nothing. <laughs> it's like it's like if you're an NFL football team, like, congratulations, Baltimore Ravens, you you won against the Pee-wee team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> congratulations, you guys. What have you really accomplished? And that's <laughs> that's actually good for all of us. Like, what did you actually do by yourself? Low a yeah. bar, nothing yeah, nothing so so pride pride in yourself is is worthless it's absolutely worthless, so God has to show them you know how weak they really are, and the way he's going to do it is exile, so you're going to be forced away from your homeland forcibly, militarily you're going to be taken away from. You know, from the promise this nation that's 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 going to be stirred up against them. So, like we we haven't seen much good news today. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We We basically showed. We've talked about moral decay, (laughs) really bad moral decay. We've talked about the Lord's response to it, spiritual apathy that we have. The lot of law here. (laughs) (laughs) What can we say to people who are? convicted by this law and say, you know, I've had pride in my life and, you know, maybe I've enjoyed life too much at the expense of my brother. What can we say to someone who's convicted by this law? Great question. I I think we need to look at this idea of exile and just unpack this a little bit. Like, We're all people who deserve ultimate exile. We deserve to be sent away from our promised land. We deserve to be sent away from life with God and his gifts. We, we deserve that, and, and, and that's the conviction of the law. Um, having said that, look at what happened in real-time history. You have God who said, I'm not going to exile my people, I'm going to exile myself. And we see this in the person of Jesus Christ. He's the one who came and received our deserved exile. He was sent away from God and the experience of his gifts. And you see him stripped away of everything good, you know, stripped away of everything good. I I mean, you, you almost have the exact opposite. Like you have these people strumming on harps and and live in the high life, and you look at Jesus on the cross, and he doesn't even get a decent drink. He he he's gives thirsty, everything. Even, it's amazing. Yeah, he gives everything. So he's exiled from God and all of his gifts in a in a perfect way, so that we get to live in perfect unity and harmony with God forever. Yeah, it's almost like when you think about that, it's like they did not grieve over the ruin of Joseph, but the Lord grieved over their spiritual ruin. Like he looked at them and he said, I, I'm grieved with this. It's like the flood all over again. But this time he wasn't going to wipe out the world with like this diluvio, this, this flood. Yeah. Instead he wiped out his own son. That's God's, yeah. that's, that's God's gospel. His, his heart for us. So that, and then the the result of that is that we get to live in this place with inlaid ivory and wonderful couches. The better party, the better party party he's promised. Where our hearts, not only are, our hearts are going to be the most blissful, buzzing, happy part of it. You know, we won't be trying to minister to our sadness through creature comforts there. Yeah. Amen. Amen to that. So I think we got to, we should leave it there, but... We will uh, pick this up again. We're going to get into some amazing visions that the Lord gives to Amos. so powerful as we get into these five visions coming up here in the book of Amos. We'll pick it up with chapter 7. Thanks for joining us.